All right, everybody, welcome to episode 33 of Tudes Mate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, guess what? It's the end of 2020. Yeah, we made it. We made it. And we're looking forward to 2021. But this is always a time of the year where I always used to enjoy listening to Casey Kasem mm-hmm. and Rick Dees and whoever else kind of count down the songs from the past year. And obviously now it's it's Ryan Seacrest, which is mm-hmm. kind of a combination of Casey Kasem and Dick Clark. Yeah. He's like a hybrid of both of those guys. Yeah, he well, you know, he's taken over both franchises. So he's consolidated all of it. So, you know, and yeah, growing up in the, the 70s and 80s, you know, Casey Kasem did American Top 40 and Dick Clark did New Year's Rockin' Eve and American Bandstand. And so Seacrest has New Year's Rockin' Eve and American Top 40 now. So he's it's like he's consolidated the whole empire under his uh, personality there. And so, yeah, he really kind of is both in one. And he's got that Dick Clark feel. It looks yes. like he's forever young. He's got that kind of energy in a, in a nice kind of way. And Don't forget American Idol. Yeah, and, and that's where it all got started. So he's got like this other thing that brought him in, and then he was able to use that to connect to all these other things. He should just bow down to Brian Dunkelman. <laughs> Part of his paycheck should just go right over to Brian Dunkelman. Maybe it does. <laughs> if Brian was still with him, I bet you that show wouldn't be on the air. Yeah. He's like the, the little sister in Family Matters who just walked up the stairs and went away and never came back, you know? <laughs> well, that's kind of the 2020s like that. I remember years and years. I always think back to 1987 was the year I really got into popular music. And I remember... Mm-hmm. I can literally remember New Year's Eve, 1987, listening to the top 100 songs of the year, according to Billboard magazine, listening to Casey Kasem, trying to figure out what was going to be number one and hearing these songs that I knew, you know, here I go again, you know, my favorite from the year ends up at number seven. Uh, I want to dance with somebody who loves me by Whitney Houston, which I might have thought would have been number one was number four. Hearts Alone was number two. I mean, it's how much I, this was blistered into my brain. I remember these. Without even having Amazing. About it. And then The Bangles, Walk Like an Egyptian was number one. And then, that, you know, that became a tradition for me for a number of years there. I listened to the Top 100, watching MTV's Top 100 videos of the year. I'd spend a day watching that. And as you know, back in the day, I used to even do my own chart. You did. Part of the thrill of that was at the end of the year, I'd, I'd kind of follow what Billboard did and I'd cut it off that if it had peaked before December, right? So December 1st essentially started the next year. I would figure out my top 100 for the year. You know, I don't do my chart anymore. I did that from 1989 to 1998. So it's been over two decades since I did it. But I thought about getting back into it over the past year or two where I've really been getting back into pop music in a way I haven't been. And as I've thought about what were my favorite songs of the year, I've thought about, you know, well, what would have hit number one on my chart? And I kind of know what some of those songs are. Yeah. Oh, I know we've been going back and forth. And before we jump into it, because I we both did our, our, I guess, top 10 of 2020 and we have some runners up. But we were going back and forth. And I found it interesting that the fact that if you go off what Billboard says, like, oh, here's the top, they've got songs that are bleeding over from 2019, which really confused me. I I had to go back and I actually eliminated those out of my top 10 because I was like, no, those are 2019 songs. I wanted to go for 2020. Either they were number one songs. I know songs, they cross over. That always happens because they peaked at a different period. But for me, I really wanted, my essence of my list is they were songs that were in 
2020. Yeah, I did the same kind of thing. A good example of that is High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. Huge song in 2019, but it did bleed over into 2020 some. And I'm pretty sure it's on Billboard's list of the top 100 of 2020. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's Look My Famous, the next the follow-up that was on the... But anyway, there was some bleed over there. And that's actually... Uh, Billboard changed its methodology in the mid-1990s. Before that, when they figured out their Hot 100, what they did was they cut it off at the end of November, and they said a song had to peak at the end of November before December 1st. And then they said songs peaking from December 31st through November 30th. And what they did, because they wanted to get their issue out at the end of the year, was they would sort of estimate. So like there would be a number of songs that peaked in November, but as of January 1st, we're still on the chart, right? They didn't, you know, magically fall off the chart. They would actually sort of estimate what they thought was going to be the trajectory of that song. So interestingly enough, Walk Like an Egyptian, that number one song of 1986, actually hit number one in right at the end of 1987, hit number one at the end of 1986 and bled over into January of 87. A year later, Faith by George Michael was the number one song of 1988. It actually hit number one in December of of 87, let, you know, held over a little bit into January of 88. And then the following year, the number one song for 89 was Look Away by Chicago, which actually hit number one in December of 1988 and had already started to fall by the time January 1st came. So there was this pattern, where, right, where songs, they tended to do well because they got play all throughout the year because they were early on songs. You know, and it tended to play out that way. Now, not every year, you know, you go to 1990, the number one song was uh, Wilson Phillips's Hold On, which was hit number one in like May or June. And in 1991, it was Everything I Do, I Do It For You, which was the, you know, seven weeks at number one in the summer of 91. So it kind of changed a little bit. But yeah, they used to cut that off. And then in the mid 90s, they, as they were reconfiguring how they worked the chart, they started changing it to where songs would bleed over. So I think like Macarena was one of the top hits of 1996 and 1997 as an example. But yeah, and that's basically why when I started my top 10, I really thought about consciously about 2020. So let's let's dive into it. And I did the same thing, by the way, too. So, yep. Good. So what are some of your runners ups before we go to our top 10? So, you know, it was really hard. There's, gosh, I think four or five of these that really could have just as easily hit the top 10. I come up with my top 10 and I ended up with seven runners up. I probably could have extended to more. One of them that really probably was never going to make the top 10, but I just loved it so much was Rick Astley came out with a new Christmas song. Love this Christmas for this holiday season. And I mean, you know, it wasn't really going to be one of my top 10 songs of the year, but I really liked it. I just thought I wanted to give it some mention. A couple of other ones that I sort of threw in there as sort of, you know, interesting. John Prine passed away last spring, right? He was uh, somebody, who, uh, one of the early celebrity deaths from COVID last spring. And the song that was his last, I, I was kind of looking into some stuff he had done. And, and there's a song he did called I Remember Everything. And it's uh, apparently his last recorded song before he died. And it's a really good song, too. I really liked it. And so that, and then also, we're probably going to hear a little more of, of Bruce Springsteen, but... This band called Bleachers did a song where Bruce Springsteen comes in and plays with them called Chinatown. And so that's another one. And then also one that, you know, I talked about that I used to do my chart. Probably the number one song right now would be uh, Levitating by Dua Lipa. But, you know, it wasn't quite my top 10 for the year. But, you know, had that been earlier in the year, maybe it would have done just enough to get it up there. 
you know, what about some of your uh, honorable mention? Yeah, I had a couple of them. It's interesting because I had a lot. So it was really hard being a music fan. And I, I like everything across a lot of genres. Problem is my top 10 is really consistently pop for the most part. So my runners up include songs like... I had Ghosts by Bruce Springsteen. I really mm-hmm. liked the fact that he came back and it's it's got a good melody to it. Mm-hmm. I really like that one. He recently performed that in SNL. And a couple other ones, Pearl Jam had one out. It was called Dance of the Clairvoyance Mach 3, which had a really good bass riff to it. Didn't seem like the traditional Pearl Jam song. It kind of stood out to me. A couple others, Caution by the Killers, they came back. And then ACDC came back as well with Shot in the Dark which I believe was a number one album. Yeah, I remember reading that. So yeah, I mean, that was a lot of the rock songs, because I'm a rock guy. And then there was just a couple others I think I threw in there. I had uh, Circles by Post Malone was in there. It was a 2019 song. I think that crossed over to 2020 pretty equally. I like that one, along with Dance Monkey as well, Tones and I. Yeah, I um, Circles was one. It was right there at the end of the year, right? It originally hit number one in December of last year. And then came back to spend another week at number one in January. So I uh, I really love that song. And I ended up considering it, given that it, it went back to number one in January, I considered it 2020, you know, like you said, it was right on the edge there. So, so we're going we're gonna to hear from that again. A Ghost was from Bruce Springsteen. That's a, it's, you know, it's a really good song. It feels like old Springsteen and it feels there's a theme in so much of what I do. And that's my love of 80s music. And that ghost sounds like 80 Springsteen and it's got a, a really good feel to it. So it ended up on mine too. Another one that sort of really originally came out in 2019 that I put on my honorable mention was ILY by Surf Mesa featuring Emily. I like it too. It brings back the old Frankie Valley song, but I love you baby, but you know, but it, yeah, it's got a really nice feel to it. So, and then one other one that I threw on there, my kids really love this one, Lose Somebody by Kygo and One Republic. It's got the the weirdest video you're going to see, the, the craziest makes you just laugh kind of video too. So yeah, just a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. And I had a couple other two. I had Broxanne, but it was by Arizona, Zervas, and AJR, Bang, and then kind of a country crossover, Be Like That by Kane Brown. But it was hard. I mean, uh, but my top 10, I think is... Is pretty solid. What, what do you got at 10? So I got number 10, and I noticed this was on your runner-up list. It was one of those ones that was right on the borderline 2019, 2020. I liked Good as Hell by Lizzo. I actually liked it better than Truth Hurts. The refrain to that, I throw my hair back, check my nails. I'm you know feeling good as hell. It's got this old uh, Motown-ish or even Stax records kind of feel old, you know, 60s R&B type feel to it. I really, really like that song. It's one, again, where I look it back and I say, you know, that would have probably topped my chart had I still been doing it. And so it squeezed in there at number 10. What's your number 10? Uh, number 10 for me is Dynamite by BTS. I know it's it's a boy band. The song is one of those tunes that I know that as soon as you put it on, it's going to make people dance. So and it gets stuck in your head. I liked it when it came out. I like it as a song. It didn't make my top 10. It wasn't that high for me, but I can certainly understand it. All right, what'd you have at nine? So nine, you mentioned it in your honorable mention, uh, Bang by AJR. It probably would have just dropped out of number one on my chart if I was still doing it. I really kind of caught on to that song, maybe a little later than a lot of folks, but that whole part, it feels like an amusement ride. 
they've got that part where they've got that voice that comes on and says, here we go. Right. And it sounds like, like an amusement ride, you know, you're about to start and they, and this, this, this disembodied voice goes, here we go. And then you go and it just, it caught me. And I, the feel of that side just kind of, you know, it just kind of feels fun because of that. So, you know, we kind of, like you said, that was in your runners up and it, it really made my top 10 because of that. What about nine for you? Nine was hard. I, Went with Cardigan by Taylor mm-hmm. Swift just because I wanted to signify the fact, you know, the song is strong, but she released two albums in one year due to the pandemic. So to me, it captured the theme of what most music artists, and we talked about that a lot this year with a lot of music artists, how they're creating a lot of music and kind of went off the reservation a little bit, but still was within her style. Interestingly, her new one, her new single off her second album that just came out, Willow, I actually, that's the one I've liked of hers this year the most. So, you know, Cardigan, you know, a number one hit uh, that the sort of the big one off of the first of the two albums. I wasn't pulled into that song as much, but I think that Willow's going to be the one that I, her new one is going to be the one that I like. So what, what you got at eight then? Eight was Everything I Wanted Remix by Billie Eilish. And the reason I say remix is because there's a pop radio version where actually the beat starts off immediately, where there's the actual regular release of that song, where it only comes in about halfway through the song. So I really, I like the beat of the song. And once the remix came out, I was like, okay, that's in my top 10 now. If that didn't get released, it wouldn't have made it there because I needed to keep going. Her voice is very breathy, so I need something to accompany it. Are you allowed to like Billie Eilish? Because she didn't know who Van Halen was. I... <laughs> she should know by now. Yeah, I think she does by now. That was all, that was funny. What a year and a half ago, or whenever that was. When uh... <laughs> yeah, she's had a, the last two years for Billie Eilish have been just incredible. What about you? So my number eight is uh, you mentioned it back in honorable mention. It's Dance Monkey Tones and I. The feel of that song is just a really feel good, fun song. So it, that's my number seven. Is is Say So by Doja Cat. It falls like within the same exact kind of mentality. Yeah. Peso has a real, it feels like, like an eighties thing to me. Uh, It does. I love say, so you're going to, we're going to hear about say, so again, later on my list, it just has a, an energy to it. And and it reminds me of eighties music energy and that, I mean, it grabbed me. And so, yeah, it's it's certainly up there for me. So that was your number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, my seven was circles the post malone we talked about it one year ago right now it was the you know the biggest song in the country and it was the you know um and you know what's interesting is when i heard that song it i don't know where this is coming from but i kept thinking about why do i like this it kind of sounds like hysteria by def leppard it kind of has that kind of yeah that kind of yeah, same feel like i could probably play them you know right after each other and I don't think anybody would flinch. It's got that driving bass. That's uh, Hysteria, you know, the one of the things, Hysteria is my favorite Def Leppard song. Uh, back in the day, it wasn't. Back then, Pour Some Sugar On Me was. But over time, Hysteria has come to, to really grab me the strongest. And I think part of what I've liked about Hysteria is, I mean, it's a really simple bass line. I mean, it's just, dun, dun, dun. it's just you know, a single note for a measure or two, and then you move on. And But it's powerful, the way it's played and the way that they recorded it. 
it feels. And, you know, Circles has that bass line that kicks in at the beginning and it really drives the whole song. So I can totally see where you're coming from there. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry I always felt about that. Uh, yeah. My number six is actually, it's one of the most current uh, number one songs that was out there, Mood by 24 Golden. And the reason I put it here was that it's another one of those songs that captures what's happening now. And also mm-hmm. with current music, it sounds like everything else in a way, but it still makes you want to listen to it. I don't know why. It's been one of the biggest hits of the last couple months. You know, it was recently number one. It's not now, but it was recently. And for a number of weeks, it kind of, it was in number one, dropped down, came back and dropped down. I think it rebounded twice back into number one, trading places like Ariana Grande and a couple other things. My Interestingly, I think if my six-year-old son was doing a top 10 list, Mood would be right up here on his list. He loves that song. He, he goes around <laughs> singing it. Uh, I mean, he's got a few other ones, some of the ones even on this that we're talking about. But lately, that's been one of his favorites. And you're right. It, it feels like the times. You know, it captures pop music right now. What's your six? So my number six, it's interesting in a way. It's Another One Down by Richard Marks. So Richard Marks released Mm. a new album this year called Limitless. Not to be confused with the Bon Jovi song that came out this year. But he released a new song called Limitless. And the single off of it, which is actually one of the top 50 adult contemporary hits of the year, didn't hit the Hot 100 at all, but um, was was an adult contemporary hit. And you heard play on it on some serious XM stations and stuff like that. You know, I'm a big Richard Marx fan. I can tell you all about Richard Marx in a lot of ways. Uh, another one down is not going to make my top 10 Richard Marx songs of all time. I, I can start telling you what those are. It's, you know, it's not going to be up there, but it's still a cool song. And it's something that I've, you know, I would have liked even back in the day. And I like now, and it given how much I like Richard Marx, it was cool to see him having a hit. So number six for me is another one down. All right. Now we're in our, top five yeah now we're to the top five so it's getting you know we're getting down to it here this is when it's 11 30 at night 11 20 and it's on new year's eve and casey's counting them down and we're at number five so what do you got there what's your request and dedication at number five well five to me is adore you by harry styles and it's for one reason and one reason only the guitar solo mm-hmm. and the fact that if you put this song on it's a nice background song but that guitar solo is one of the rarities of today. There are not many songs where there is a guitar solo anymore that's unique. So to me, that's why it made it. Yeah, it's a great song. Another one we're going to be hearing from again soon. Stevie Nicks earlier this year said that Harry Styles' latest album is his Rumors. I mean, she's comparing it to the the one that what's considered the Fleetwood Mac masterpiece, the late seventies Fleetwood Mac masterpiece. And you know, there's we've had a number of hits off of that. Adore You is. Yeah, you're right. That guitar. I mean, I can hear it just as soon as you mentioned it. I could hear it in my head. There's a lot that I like about that song, and that's just one of the the many elements. Yeah. What about you? So my number five, another one that wasn't really a pop hit. I have a few people I know who swear by Coheed and Cambria. It's their favorite band mm-hmm. of all time. They sound like Rush. So here's the thing. I finally a, a couple weeks ago sat down and listened to a bunch of their stuff. I mean, I had heard a few things here and there. The thing that I'm going to mention, number five, was one of the ones that I had actually heard before. I had heard a few of their, a little bit of their stuff, but I finally said, you know, I know a couple people who swear by them, who just, I mean, just live and die by Coheed and Cameron. I'm going to listen to them. And I listened to a bunch of their songs. And when I told these folks, hey, I finally listened to Coheed and Cambria, it sounds like stuff I listened to in high school in the late 80s. And the one guy said, yeah, they get compared to Rush. And honestly, that never even crossed my mind. 
So it's funny that you say that because that's the thing. But but to me, they sound like that period of the late 80s. I thought, I mean, there's elements of various bands. I couldn't really nail it down to one band. I thought some early Mr. Big, some of the stuff by Judas Priest. The closest I came was Queensryche. His voice is different than Jeffrey Tate of Queensryche. They have concept albums the way Queensryche did. It's rock. It feels a lot. So to me, Coheed and Cambria really reminds me a lot of Queensryche. And it just reminds me of the feel of late 80s. Well, it's all building to that, right? It, it reminds me of the feel of that late 80s hard rock. Well, this one goes a little earlier to the 80s. They did a, a song called Jesse's Girl 2. It's a follow-up to the Rick Springfield's biggest hit, right? His number one hit from the ni- early 1980s, Jesse's Girl. And the video's great because- He's in it. Uh, Yeah. Rick Springfield shows up as the bartender in here, and, and it's kind of this- thinking back to his Jesse's girl and here's what happened next kind of thing. And it's, it's just so much fun. And again, you know, given how much I love 80s music, this song is just so cool to me. It made my top five. So what you got at four? At four, I've got Roses by St. John and a couple of reasons I picked this song. One is I like the dance style music, mm-hmm. but I thought it was fascinating that this was a remix by I think it was like a 17-year-old DJ mm-hmm. <laughs> that actually ended up, I believe this was the number one song, but I like the fact that it has there's some story to it and that it also, it's catchy, you know, it's it gets in your, your being. Yeah, I, I don't think Rose's hit number one. I can't remember off the top of my head, and I don't remember it hitting number one, but yeah, I, I mean, I know the song. It didn't make as lasting of oppression on me, but I can totally see what you're saying about it. By the way, Roses went to number four. So, so it doesn't make sense. It's number four on my list, so number four. So that's why I picked it. So it's significant. So my number four, no one that's that's close to your heart, Distance by Wolfgang Van Halen. I, you know, we did a podcast after Eddie died. And, you know, we talked even last time, last podcast about uh, folks carrying on the legacy, right? And we talked about Bermuda Schwartz keep carrying on sort of, you know, keeping the, the sort of history of Weird Al and how uh, Wolfgang is kind of doing it with uh, Eddie and with, with the band Van Halen. And I, I really like the song, too. It's not it, so part of it is the, the gravitas, the, the meaning of the song and the significance of it. But also, I just like the song. And so Distance made it to number four for me. It was really hard for me not to put it on my runners up or my list. And it, it's really weird. It comes down to something that's simple is I listen to it a lot mm-hmm. and something similar happened to one of the Van Halen songs, when it's love in that song. If you listen to the keyboards, there's a clicking sound. It's very faint, but every time he hits the keyboard, the da na na. There's a there's a click that happens on the keyboard, and then once ever all the other music comes in, it kind of covers it up. And the wolf. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have okay. to listen to that when it's like yeah, one of my favorite. I got over. Too, I listened to it hundreds of times, <laughs> and eventually I don't hear it anymore. It's well, you got to keep listening in the distance so you can get over. Well, it. <laughs> in the distance song, there's a clicking sound that happens in the drum beat, right. and yeah. it starts off with it. And it never ends. the The beat never it just it just keeps going. And right. I really like the lyrics. I really like the video. I was blown away by his voice and everything that happened in the song. But then I hear that the clicking sound, and right. I I just can't listen to it anymore. So maybe there's a point where just like the when it's love, and maybe it's a Van Halen thing. But I mean, yeah. you know, 
Wolfgang considers himself a drummer first, so which is interesting to me. So I can understand mm-hmm. why that sound is so prevalent. It's so high in the mix. But to me, mm-hmm. and maybe it's me overanalyzing it, but it needs to be lower. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would enjoy the song. That well, that makes sense. I mean, Wolfgang is, a, you know, he's defined as a drummer first, but I, the, the drums work for me. But I can totally see what you're saying. So, what you got at three? Yeah, no, at three, I have got "Rain on Me" by Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande, and it's because mm-hmm. a couple of things. One is it was a very upbeat song, catchy, and mm-hmm. I like the fact that she went back to her kind of formulaic style and went back to the roots of what she really is the best at. This is the one song on your top 10 that never even had a chance to make mine. It bored me. And I think it's because of the same reasons that you liked it. It just felt, <laughs> it, it did. It, it very much sounds like Lady Gaga from 12 years exactly. ago. And, um, and to me, it was just like, okay, heard this before. I just didn't, it, it never clicked with me. Mm. And so it's interesting because, you know, probably the same kind of things that drew you to it were the same kind of things that to me, I was like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's not that I hate it. It just doesn't do yeah, anything. No, that makes sense. What's well, your three? So my three we've heard from from you before. Uh, my three is "Say So" by Doja Cat. It's that '80s feel to that, and and that moves right into number two, which is "Adore You" by Harry Styles, mm-hmm. which you've also mentioned already. Pun intended here. I adore that song. I truly adore that song, and it was hard for me not to make it number one. But the thing is, you mentioned you know the guitar solo. I love the instrumentation in that song, just the sounds that come through in that song. But this is where I get back to the chart. You know, we were trying to remember what uh, Roses went to on the chart and the fact that it didn't go to number one. You know, I I mean, I used to be like a a chart junkie, right? You know this. (laughs) Follow tunes made a little bit. You'll see how much of a chart junkie I am, right? I know, you know, I I know and talk about all this stuff. But I've come over time to look to see the Hot 100 as a a marker of time, what we call public memory. So, you know, there are songs that never hit number one that, God, they should have hit number one. And there are songs that hit number one and you're like, there's no reason that should have ever hit number one. It's all timing. What week did it hit and when did it hit and what else was it in competition with and and some stuff that just breaks for a week and people like it, but then it kind of, you know, fades. And and so we can all go, I think we can all go through and find those songs. I don't want to go down that route right now. But the interesting thing is that I think what the chart does is it kind of provides a a time marker for us. So we can look back to, you know, December of 2007 or June of 1992 or whatever. And we can look at the top 20 on Billboard's Hot 100 chart and say, you know what, those are the songs that were defining that time Mm -hmm. period, right? So to me, it's weird because Watermelon Sugar is the song off of Harry Styles' album that hit number one. It it shot up to number number one for a week earlier mm-hmm. this year. Adore You only went to number six on the chart. But Adore You has like hung on to the chart the whole year and in fact finished much higher on Billboard's top 100 for the year. And to me, that song is so much more interesting of a song. And it's hard for me that... To think, I mean, I, I like Watermelon Sugar, Sugar. don't get me wrong. I don't dislike that, so I like it. But I just love Adore You. And to me, it's so weird that Adore You is the one that only went to number six. And so uh, that kind of shows us that thing about the chart. 
that, you know, just because it didn't go to number one and something else did, that doesn't necessarily mean as much as they were both big That's hits. true. And I actually did have Watermelon and Sugar Down as one of my runner-up songs. And I think the reason why it did so well is because, like you said, timing. It was released during the summer. So yep. that song was on, and that's one of those summer songs. There's a lot of those summer songs yep. out there. You think about, I even talked back with Holly Knight when during her podcast that some of the songs that she released hit during summer. You know, you think about Love Touch, Rod Stewart, yep. that song, that's a summer yep. song. Everyone remembers some, everyone's going to remember Watermelon Sugar and especially the name of it. I think that's why it really did went higher. Yeah. I think you're dead on there. The fact that it hit during the, I, I think you summed it as well. That was on constant rotation. <laughs> so that was a good tune. Well, that's it. So it had the higher peak value at that time. But Adore You had the longer, the longer marathon. Right? So <laughs> that's what happens, right? A song that has that marathon run may not hit number one. You know, it may hit the top 10 somewhere else, but that marathon carries it on. Whereas the other song has that higher peak value and hits number one, but then kind of fades away. You nailed it. Yep. So what do you got at number two? So you mentioned her earlier, Dua Lipa. I've got her at number two, It Don't Start Now which is the upbeat dance tune that borrows a riff from Queen. Enough said. Well, you know, there's some really great songs from Dua Lipa, and especially on her latest album. And in fact, it's funny because the one song that, that gets most compared to the 1980s is Physical. Her song Physical and the video is pretty cool. And it, even, I mean, even the title, you know, gives sort of homage to the what was the longest running number one of, of the 1980s, you know, uh, Olivia Newton-John's Physical. But it's funny because I should like that song the, the best off that album, but I don't. I like Levitating better. Levitating is my favorite off there. And I'd probably even put Don't Start Now over that. So it's interesting how... You know how that plays out. So yeah, great choice for number two. And let's go number. Now we're at number one. What's the number one? What is it? You know, it's funny because, like I said, it was really hard for me not to put Harry Styles' "Adore You" at number one. I love that song so much, but there's no way that it could beat out this other song. And I talk about the '80s, and I talk about the '80s. This song felt like an '80s song. We must have the same exact song then. And it's, it's "Blinding Lights" by The Weeknd. Same here. And it's funny because it's actually the number one song on Billboard's Hot 100. And, you know, I didn't plan for it to have the same song at number one. But, I mean, that song's been in the top ten like all but one or two weeks this year. It's that good of a song. It really is that good of a song. When I hear it, and I think I told you this before, when I hear this song, I cannot get out of my head Maniac by Michael Sambello. <laughs> and I imagine in my head yep. a mashup with those two songs together with the guitar solo and everything and Tommy boy dancing. So it's, um, it is a good tune. I'm just really surprised how the weekend was snubbed from the Grammys. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make sense. I mean, this is the song of the year. I mean, this is, I don't know how it's hard to argue. I mean, you you think of the year, I could see why this song is up there. It gets you motivated. So, and it hit number one back in June and it's still in, in the top 20. And, you yeah. know, it's just, it, yeah, like you said, it's got to get you motivated. It just feels so good. I mean, and it's layered, you know, it's not, it's got that energy, the sound, and it just all comes together so well. There's no way this couldn't be number one. Well, there you have it. We've got our top 10. Whether you agree or disagree, whether you think we're, we're full of crap yeah. or we nailed it, you know. Let us know. But we, we're what we got we will list our songs along with the podcast so you can read them and please tell us what you think and there definitely i had to 
personally took out about 20 songs out of mine because I had songs all over. I had um, a couple Latin hits. I had some country songs. I even had a couple jazz songs that I pulled out. But to me, these are the ones that kept coming up. And I know they're very poppy, but that's generally where my mind goes. Yep. Well, it was fun, Ray, counting down the top songs of 2020 who knows what 2021 will bring it's been an interesting year for tunes mate we've had a lot of special guests on we've covered a lot of different topics looking forward to continuing to do that in the new year i'm totally looking forward to it i've got some great stuff i'm looking forward to writing for the new year i know you are too hopefully we won't be doing working remotely you know by this time next year i've said it before i'll say it again i I love your feature there, the working remotely, but I also am, will be happy to see when it ends. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I agree. The same with music to help us get through everything together. I put that up every day and I'm just like, one of these days I'm going to end this and that's going to be actually a good day. We've got through it. Yep, yep. Well, from everyone here at Tunes Mate, we wish you a happy new year. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Thank you for subscribing to the blog, all your comments, all your submissions. We appreciate all your support and we look forward to another outstanding year in 2021. So without further ado, I'm Mark and I'm Ray and we will see you next time.